Welcome to the sermon podcast of Kusada Baptist Church. We want to be a lighthouse to guide you on your journey through life. Listen as our pastor, Dr. Jim Graham, shares a message from God's Word and offers sound biblical direction for your daily life. So how many of you will at some point over the next couple of weeks gather, not with your church people, but gather with a group of family or friends or co-workers for a Christmas gathering. How many of you will do that? Okay. I mean, it's almost everybody, right? You'll be in some kind of gathering because family will get together. Co-workers, there'll be a party at work. There might be friends who gather together, whatever it might be. And so I want to talk to you this morning from the book of Luke as we walk through the gospel of Luke. How can I gather with my family, gather with that party, and represent Christ well? Look, I'm just going to tell you, when you come to our Christmas parties, we're going we're gonna to be trying to represent Christ. Like the whole reason we're having it is to represent Christ. Even the tropic one. I don't know how you do that, but I'm trusting that there's a way uh, to do that. But, but we, we, we might be at our family gathering or with our friends, the only person representing Christ. Either because we're the only one who knows Christ, or we're the only one who's focused on that. All right, Or, or there might be multiple people, there, but there's someone there that doesn't know Christ, or is not focused on Christ. So how do I do that? How do I handle that? Well, in Luke chapter 4, we read the story of Jesus going back to his hometown. He goes to his hometown with the people that he grew up with, you know, knew him as a baby, went to school with him, like knew him as a little kid, played in the street with him, all those kind of stuff, all the way up, knew him as a worker, as a carpenter, and uh, so they've, they've known this, this young man for all his life. So I want to read to you Luke 4 beginning in verse 16, where he's begun his public ministry and he's been teaching, he's been healing people, and now he's decided to go back home for a little visit, right? Verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him. They were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do hear... In your hometown, what we've heard that you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued. 
No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, where the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Now, I'm just assuming when we get to heaven one day, I'm going to get to see video replays of stuff. You know, this is one of those I want to see. Like you two, yeah, I want to see this one. I want to see them trying to throw him off the cliff and he just walks. It just sounds like he just went like now and walked through. I'd like to see that. I want to see how that one went down. But my focus this morning is how do I go back to my hometown? How do I gather with my family? What do I do? So, Let me tell you five things, okay? One of the things I want you to note, one of the things I would say to you, if you want to reach your family and you want to reach your friends, number one, go to church. Of course, the preacher would say, go to church. Well, yeah, go to church, okay? Now, you're here in church, okay, good. I have no idea how often you attend. Some of you may be people who come every week, and some of you may come at once a month. I don't know, but what, whatever it might be, I would just say go to church. In other words, it says when he went to Nazareth and it came around to the Sabbath day that he went to the synagogue as was his custom. That's what he normally did. That was the thing he always did. So I would just say to you that a person can't go to church with you unless you're going. Now, I, I remember hearing about when I was a, a young man, I remember my dad talking to some lady, and she was telling my dad, and I was watching the thing, and, and, and she was saying, like, I just really wish my husband, well, I just want my husband to go with me. He was inviting her, why don't you come to church? Well, I, I want to come, but I really want my husband to come with me. And I remember my dad looking at her and says, well, well, he can't go with you if you don't go, you know. Now, I don't know if this happens to you, but this is what happens in my family. You know, uh, my children are young adults, and so they are always planning stuff and doing stuff, and people just invite the other people. It happened this week. I've got a decision to make. Uh, Nathan posted a thing on the group chat and said, I'm going to a Christmas movie. At the, you know how some of these, I think they do this uh, in downtown Montgomery too, where the, uh, some old theater will play a Christmas movie and you can go watch a Christmas movie like in an old theater. Well, there's an old theater downtown Birmingham and they're having that. And he goes, I'm going. Here's the night I'm going. He sent us the link to get tickets and he said, buy a general admission ticket. If y'all want to go, I'm going on this night. And he just sent it to the family. We'll see how many go, right? We're trying to figure out if we can go. I already saw Jackson said, well, I'm in, right? So who else going? To the thing. Well, that's isn't that the way it happens for y'all? Hey, we're we're going out to eat this night. We're going to this thing. Who wants to go? 
Whoever it is in your friend group, your co-worker, your family member, they can't go to church with you unless you go. So if you go to church, it's just a natural invitation, isn't it? Hey, I'm going to a Christmas musical at my church tonight. You want to come go and hear Christmas music? It's a great invitation, right? I'm going on Sunday morning. Uh, I have a little girl. I'll mention this next week. We're having baptism next week. There's a little girl, and I think she's about eight, and uh, she's getting baptized. She's very excited, okay? And uh, so her grandparents, great-grandparents came up to me and said um, she wanted to invite everyone in her class at school. So we have printed up invitations, and they're handing out, she's handing out invitations at school. I'm getting baptized on this day. Will you come watch me get baptized? They can't go with you unless you're going, and then you invite them. So I heard Rodney mention Christmas Eve morning. We're having a service. We're taking communion. It's a 45-minute service. If you've got family coming into town, you got friends, invite them. What are you doing on Christmas Eve? Have you got plans? Go with me to church. They can't go with you if you're not going. Verse 17, when he got to the synagogue, it was common practice. The way they would do it is they would open up the Bible, someone would read the Scripture, then they would sit down and they would explain what the Scripture meant. They would basically teach a lesson. Okay, That's the way they did it. And so Jesus was a guest in town, and if a guest came to town, hey, you listen to your own people over and over again. This is a little town, you know, how many ever men there are. So you got a guest come in, you ask them to share. So Jesus opens the, the scripture, reads the scripture, sits down, and talks about it, okay? And they were amazed at his teaching. He was a really awesome teacher. But I would just say, be guided by an open Bible. Be guided by an open Bible. You can't tell somebody the truth if you don't know the truth. You can't give people advice from God, wisdom from God, if you don't know that. And look, it's not just the wealth of what I've known for years. Here's what the Lord does. He knows what appointments you have coming up. And He tends to open Scripture to you and show you things that you need right away that's what he tends to do some of those things you need them for yourself like he points something out and he goes jim see but sometimes you're reading something and you go i don't know why i need to know that but you'll find out three days later why you needed it again it might be something you needed but oftentimes it's something to share with someone else i cannot describe to you how many times i've looked at somebody and said you know, I just read, right? I just read this scripture. Listen, I need you to know something. They don't need your wisdom. They need his. You got me? See, a lot of times our wisdom, if it's not from God, here's what it is. It's just your experience. And that's, that can be valuable. You have some experience. You've done something a few times. Okay, that's great. But what they really need 
is wisdom from the Lord. Where you're going to get that is in an open Bible. Give them his wisdom. There is a difference. All right? Third thing. The scripture he read was from Isaiah. And uh, in our scripture, it's in Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. And notice what he said. He says, this is about me. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. See that? He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. All right? So he's basically saying, I have been sent. God has appointed me. John wrote this in John 20, verse 21, that Jesus stated, As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. So let me put those together. In Nazareth, he's reading a scripture and proclaiming, Hey, God has sent me. There's an Old Testament prophet that said he's sending someone, and, and it's me. He sent me. Now, John quotes Jesus saying, just like God sent me, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. Guess where he's sending you? I'm sending you to the Christmas party. That's where I'm sending you. I'm sending you to school. I'm sending you to work. I'm sending you. I'm sending you back home for the holidays. Go as one who is sent by God to share the good news. And he reads some of those good news. I want you to know something. Here's what you're going to encounter. You're going to encounter someone who is making unwise financial decisions. Or someone who is struggling to make ends meet. Or someone who's made some bad decisions. Or who's struggling because the economy's off and the you know, stock market's down or whatever. You're going to meet someone who's struggling with those kind of things. And in Isaiah, as Jesus is reading, it says, He sent me to proclaim good news to the poor. You're going to encounter someone who's trapped. Trapped in a bad situation. They're trapped. They can't get out. They feel like they're just locked into this thing. I don't know, it could be a relationship thing, it could be a job thing, whatever it is. They feel trapped. He said, God sent me and I'm sending you to proclaim freedom for the prisoner. And then there's those who can't see. Recovery for the blind? They can't see. You're going to encounter someone who can't see. What do you mean they can't see, Brother Jim? I mean they can't see hope. I mean they can't see a way out. They can't see a bright future. They can't see the truth. You're going to encounter someone and they can't see. And they need to see. And he said, I came so that the blind could see. Don't get caught up in all these things are just about a physical blindness. No, all through scripture he talks about people who are blind to the truth. Blind to hope. They can't see. He's sending you to help them see. You're going to encounter someone who's feeling the weight of responsibility. The burden of what is upon them. The pressure of what life has brought their way. He said, 
I've sent you to preach release for the oppressed. You see, the good news is needed. The good news is needed. Whether or not it's a financial thing, it's a pressure thing, it's a trap thing, whatever it might be, I promise you, you know it's true. It, it could be you, but it's certainly those around you. There are people who are feeling all kinds of ways. And they will mask it, and they will cover it, and they will smile, and they will say Merry Christmas. But there are opportunities in the corner of the party over by the end table where the couch and the recliner are kind of gathered that you will get into a private conversation and you have the opportunity to share. Go as one who is sent to share the good news to someone who really needs to hear it. Alright, the fourth thing. Verse 20. This is a scary one. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. I. Ugh. All right, I'm going to make you spell a big word. Who's the fill-in-the-blank people in the room? Are you ready? The big word is scrutiny. Measure up to the scrutiny. We're going to put it on the screen. There you go. You don't have to spell here. I don't put that kind of thing on you, you know. Look, you can't talk the talk and not walk the walk. It just is what it is. You can't just share the good news. It's probably the number, I mean, I don't know, but it's probably the number one reason we don't speak up. When I go back to my hometown, when I gather my coworkers and friends, especially my family, they all know me. Unfortunately, if you're like me, they still see me as the 15-year-old I was. And I am flawed still, but I was much more flawed then, right? It's quite the hurdle to overcome. That's why he says no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I get it. They know you. All right, look, when, when, I'm, when all the eyes are on me, it doesn't mean that I'm better than anyone. It doesn't. I'm not better than anyone. I'm not morally superior to them. If you think that's the goal, that you have to be morally superior to them, you're in trouble already because now we probably added pride and some other things into the mix that's going to really ruin things as well. It's not about that. It just means this. I'm willing to take on the responsibility of representing Christ to my family. Let me think about that. I'm willing to take on the responsibility of representing Christ to my coworkers. I'm willing to take on the responsibility of representing Christ. I won't do it perfectly. It's not just about morals. In fact, it's probably less about morals and it's more about things like knowing how to love, knowing how to forgive, knowing how to accept, knowing how to trust, knowing how to have faith. But who is willing today to say, I'm willing to take on that responsibility? I'm going to show up and I know, I know, Guess what? Their eyes are going to be on me. I mean, you might be the one sitting here. You're the one that's in church. You're the one that goes to church, right? And they know it. 
Perlene was talking to me this week. She says, like, I was in a conversation, you know, with a, with a person I work with. And they were talking about somebody else. And they said, this is the way they treated me. You know what line came next? And they're supposed to be a Christian. That's not right, is it? Right? I mean, people just, they, they look for reasons not to believe. This person's not a believer. They don't go to church. They're not, you know, whatever. And um, so now they've encountered someone who's mistreated them, and they're supposed to be a Christian. And uh, Perling was talking to me about it. I was sitting there going, oh, I wish I'd have been there. I love it when people say that to me, kind of stuff to me. Really? They're supposed to be a Christian? How do we know they're a Christian? Like, why do you assume that? Like, what, what are your expectations? There's so many things I'd like to ask that person. But that's tough. You know? The, the minute you do something out of line or whatever, you know, that person's going to call you, mm, see. Or are you willing to take that on? Do you love the Lord so much that it's okay? That it doesn't matter? You know? I mean, it's funny because we're, we're fine with that with our kids and other things like, you know, your kids, your grandkids. You'll claim them and they'll do the dumbest things, right? You know, they'll do something and they're like, yeah, that's my, that's my boy, you know? What about Jesus? Are you willing to say, I will take on the responsibility of representing Christ to my family? I'll do it. I'll do it. And some of you have a much, it's, it's a difficult, it's a, it's a heavy burden. I'll, t- I'll tell you, to me, the hardest, it's not being the only Christian in a room full of non-Christians. To me, that's actually easier because then I'm the only one they're looking at. My problem is when I'm in a room and half of them are marginal at best followers of Christ, if they even are, they sort of claim to be, and they're causing all kinds of issues, right? You with me? Like the carnal Christian, the Christian, that's what's really hard. You know, they've got them to look at and say, see, see, and you're trying to be the person representing Christ. And you're going like, please don't look at them. <laughs> you know, don't look at you, don't look at them, right? But are you willing to take on that responsibility? Would you just declare today, like, I'm going to be at some things the next couple of weeks, and I'm going to be that person. I'm going to represent Jesus Christ to my friends, to my family, to my coworkers. Which brings me... Really, to the, Well, let me share with you this one other scripture. This is the way Paul worded it in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He's the person who said, I'm willing to do it. So he literally stated to someone, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I literally said something similar to this to someone in my life very recently who said, I don't know... If unfortunately, I don't know if I can follow the people I should be following in my I don't know if they're the best examples. And I literally said, you can count on me. You want to know how to do it? You can look at me. I'm not perfect. I'm flawed. But I'll do the best I can to set the standard for you and show you how to live life.
I told this younger person that. Right? That's what we mean. Isn't it funny? We'll do that for a young person, won't we? I'll show you how to do it. They're real little, right? I'll show you. We don't do it that way. This is what you need to do, right? What about your peers? What about people older than you? People in your family, people that you love and you care about. I won't do it perfectly, but I'll represent Christ and I'll show you how to do it. If you're not sure how to do it, you can watch me and you can follow my example. Which means what we really have to do is the fifth thing. We have to be willing to tell the truth, to speak the truth. So he goes on and he preaches to them and he talks about the truth. In in fact, in verse 24, he literally says, I tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth, right? So I just need you to know, you can't just sit back and make a difference. You're not going to be able just to represent Christ by sitting back. You're going to have to do things and you're going to have to say things. There's There's just no way around it. Uh, your actions are going to create situations where you have to make, you know, where you have to explain, you know. Your actions are going to create questions that you're going to have to answer. So you're not going to be able to not just to not say things. I know some of you prefer not to say things, and I'm not saying you have to get up and make a speech to your family, you know. But we all should be all right with one-on-one conversations, Okay. And, and some of you are really, really good at those, even if you don't want to speak to a group, right? But it's just a conversation. It's being willing to speak the truth. Now, people need the truth. They need the truth. They desperately need the truth. And it is hard to find. Do you please understand that? Do you understand? It is really, really difficult to find the truth in this world. People don't want to tell you the truth. People like to deceive. They like to manipulate. They don't want you to know what's really going on in their life and in their heart. Like... It's hard to find the truth. There's a lot of information out there, which means that a lot of it's not true. Right? And then they're sitting there dealing with it. And then one of our biggest problems is we lie to ourselves. We really are bad at that. We lie to ourselves. Okay? We do it for self-preservation, right? We need the truth. And we need people in our lives who are willing to, as Paul said, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth. Now, if I do that, if I do all that, will I win them? Will they know? Will they follow Christ? I don't know. I don't know if they will. Okay? So now I come to this. Am I willing to be Christ's representative in those situations and speak the truth even if I get a negative response. Mm, Now that's tough. You know how they responded to Jesus? The first way they responded, first of all, they thought, oh, he sounds great. Right? He sounds great. And then they wanted him to do some of the stuff that they'd heard that he was doing in other places and they wanted him to do it there. 
They wanted him to perform some miracles and stuff. Hey, you know, do the show. Do the thing. Now, we, we get in these situations, don't we? You have gathered with a family, and they go, Jim, tell, tell, them, tell them the story. Tell them the thing. Do the trick. Play the game. Do the thing, right? Come on. Do it. Nah, I just want to sit here, over here. No, 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 no. Do the, do y'all have one of those families? My family is a high-pressure family. I'm just going to tell you. You show up there, and they'll be going, come on, do it, you know? Oh, you're a juggler? Here, here's some oranges. Let's go, right? Do it. So, there, you know, there's this pressure, and they said, put on a show, Jesus. Do some miracles. And he said, not going to do it. And they got mad. He started giving examples of how, you know, really if you look all through the Old Testament, you'll see so many times when, you know, God wanted to do something and he did it through somebody who's not even a, you know, not only in the hometown, not even in our country or county, like some foreigner or something. They didn't like it. How does your family like it when you don't do what they expect you to do or want you to do. How do they like it? I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, mine doesn't like it very much. They don't. Do they tell you what dish to bring? Do they do that? Does anybody do that in your family? Hey, hey, we like that sweet potato dish you make. You bring that sweet potato dish. I dare you to show up with something else. Where's the sweet potato dish? Oh, I wanted to make pasta. Well, I was making pasta. You evil person, right? What are you doing? All the things. Look, it's not just that. Do something else, right? What are you doing? You're not doing the family thing? Hey, we're not going to show up on the 23rd when we normally do. We're going to have to show up. You're what? Oh, my gosh. Look, I guarantee you there's people going to be here in this church today. They're feeling a lot of pressure to make all the things, to get to all the places. I was talking to a young lady yesterday, no, Friday. She said, I have eight grandparents, eight sets of grandparents. I said, wow, eight sets of grandparents. I said, well, I mean, that could be a Christmas advantage, right? She goes, I do get a lot of presents. That's a lot of places to get to when you're 17 years old. Eight sets of grandparents. I don't know what the pressures are for you. But I know that he wouldn't follow their desires and the demands, and they were so furious, they were ready to throw him off a cliff. You know, nobody is more loving than family, and nobody is more furious than family. I don't know how it's going to go, but are you willing to represent Christ? And what if you won't do what they want you to do? Are you willing to follow Christ? The real commitment that I want to make to you, I'm not really daring you to, but please make the sweet potato casserole, okay? Please. I'm not trying to stir up trouble. My preacher said I didn't have to, right? Yeah. 
Well, give me his number. I'll be getting text. No, what I really want to call you to do is this. Make the commitment. I will, I will represent Christ to the people in my life best I can. I will share his love. I will share his acceptance. I will share his forgiveness. I will share his truth and his standards. I will be a representative of Jesus. I understand that I may be the only true representation of Jesus Christ that this person gets to see up close. And I'm about to walk into an opportunity to do that, and I'm going to do the best I can to do that. Will you make that kind of commitment today? You know, we're about to sing a song that talks about his amazing love. He loves people so much. But it also makes this proclamation. It says, Lord, because of your love, I've made the decision that you're my king. You are my king. Therefore, if you say, as the Father has sent me, so send I you, I'm willing to be sent by you. I will go as one sent with your message. Because you're my king. And the amazing love that I know and I've experienced, I'll share with them. I'll let them know. Will you do that today? Will you? Let's stand together. Let me pray for you and then let's sing that song together. Dear Lord, I thank you so much that you love us so much. And I thank you that we have the message of love that we can share with others. Lord, I pray that this room is filled with people that this morning they'll make the commitment, I will be your representative during this holiday season. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our prayer that it's been helpful in this part of your life journey. We invite you to join us at Kusada Sunday mornings for worship. Visit our website at kusadabaptist.org for directions and more information about our church.